Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Payoff Pitch on Phantom Mall Radio, presented by DNL Window Tinting. DNL Window Tinting, we put the shades on the sun. Uh, I'm Paul Valley, and joining me today is the former producer of the Big Bad Morning Show on 105.7 Fan, Dan Turner. What's going Dan, on, Paul? Thanks for having me. Dan. Absolutely, man. Glad to have you. Dan and I go back a, uh, about a year or so. We used to work in a restaurant together, so he was gracious enough to come on the show this week, so I absolutely appreciate it. Uh, the Orioles are in a three-game series right now with the Yankees, and They've been hanging tough with them, but ultimately the bullpen's been giving up some home runs, which is what that bullpen's been wanting to do uh, this season. Five home runs in the first game allowed by the Orioles. Six home runs yesterday. Uh, they lost last night 9-4 to four in a game that was relatively close going uh, to the later innings. Yeah, that's one of the things, for me anyway, that's been the most frustrating thing to watch with this team. I mean, we know they're in a rebuild mode. We know they're not going to win a lot of games. It's going to be tough to watch, but they show sparks every once in a while, and they'll take a lead in the middle of a game or early on, and you think, we might have a shot. And then they come back and remind you, hey, guys, we're rebuilding. It's going to take a while. <laughs> Calm down. Um, but it, you know, especially these, as of late, man, these, these young kids and, well, these young men, really, that are playing for this team now, you see the future, and it's encouraging. But for me, it's tough to watch sometimes because it is, you have those growing pains, and you just don't see the end in sight yet. And that's hard for me. A lot of, the big thing that I get out of sports is, is the entertainment value of it. Mm -hmm. And there's not a lot of entertainment value in the Orioles right now. And that's, that comes with the territory of rebuilding and all of that, but you're coming off this era of Jonesy and Manny and Scope, and there's flash to the game. And there's a lot of fun. You could tell that these guys were having a lot of fun. And under Hyde, it is a much more business-like attitude towards the game, which is not bad for the organization at all. Mm. I appreciate what they're doing for the advancement of the club and the future of the club, but that entertainment factor isn't there. So it's tough for me to watch sometimes. I still watch, don't get me wrong, partially because I like, you know, I'm, I'm a glutton for self-punishment. Right, but, I think we all are as Orioles fans. <laughs> you have to be as an Orioles fan. But it, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's a very interesting time for an organization because you always, have to, you always put up sort of the, the Ravens and the Orioles next to each other, right? You kind of compare them mm -hmm. and, and whatever, wherever stages they're at in, in their organization relative to the sport. And the, Ra the Ravens have been sort of that consistent figure in the city now. And... The Orioles have been so tumultuous, up and down, and, and they're winning, and everybody's happy, and then they're losing, and then Chris Davis, and, and, <laughs> and all this other stuff. It just, it, it, that consistency factor isn't there with the Orioles, and, and, I and, and I can't wait for it to get there. I really can't. Well, you mentioned the consistency, and since June 28th, this is basically a 500-ball club. Um, you know, they, they went 12-12 and 12 in July, now 24 games, that's usually... Um, it's a little short in it for a month, but they had the All-Star break. Mm -hmm. But 12 and 12 in July, they were uh, two and two in August going into this series. Now they're two and four in August because they lost the first two games. You mentioned Flash, and there's not really anybody on the team that you would consider a flashy player. I mean, Trey Mancini, he's he's a professional hitter, and mm -hmm. he's he's been he's been carrying this ball club offensively all year. He's shown a little bit of fire um, as a team leader in the last few weeks. But nothing about that guy says flashy. I look at him, and I just think he's a baseball nerd. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then Hanser Alberto, he's one of the top hitters in the American League. He's in 316 right now, but he's got something like 110 hits, and like 90 of them are singles. 
right? Yeah. I, I, that's not even an exaggeration. No. That's about where he's where he is right now. The only flashy guy, and I, I got to tell you, he had a home run last night, and he just looked at it like, yep, that's gone. It, it was Anthony Santander. Mm -hmm. Anthony Santander, excuse me. That guy has some swagger to him. He does. You know, I, was, I, I joked on Twitter last night that the only thing he was missing when he hit that home run was a DX crotch chop. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great line. No, but I mean, you, you're right. He, there's, he, he has the potential to be sort of that star guy with that attitude, you know, that, that sort of that we got from Manny. Manny had that sort of arrogance to him that at times he took it over the top. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he did. He did. But he had that arrogance to him that you want to see from a leader of your team. You don't, you know, like we just talked about earlier, we don't really have that at this moment, but I, I think it's coming. You know, Santander comes along. I mean, you, you said he's got swag. He's got enough swag to pick up 4,000 international fans in one game. In one game. In one game. For one catching game. a fly ball and throwing it to a exactly. fan. Exactly. Exactly. But, but when, once you – I think, honestly, that winning and being successful on the field will kind of bring that swagger back to the team. But on the other hand of that, when you have – and this ties back into the business-like attitude that the team is under right now. When you have the manager of your team speak to the media and say, it's tough right now. We just don't have the talent. Their guys are better than our guys. Mm -hmm. That's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. It has to be. And, and, it's not, and, it, and he wasn't saying it as a wake-up call. He wasn't saying it as like a rah-rah a, a speech to get his guys fired up. He just said it straight out. Matter of fact. Yeah. That's what it is. It's a matter of yeah. fact. I mean, he, he was simply stating fact. And, and I, I read that quote. I didn't hear him say it. I wish I, I, wish I could see the video of it. I didn't. I, I tried to find it, but I couldn't. But just reading that quote kind of deflated me a little bit. And I was like, man, if, if the coach feels that way, what's that sense in the clubhouse? You know, does it, are they frustrated already half a season through his tenure? Are they, have they given up? Because I don't think they have. You mm -hmm. watch them play and, and, and they, they play hard and they do the things that Manny didn't, running out ground balls and all of that. It's not a shot at Manny, that's just that professional feel that is there. Um, and I, I just hope that it turns out the way that the front office wants it to. Well, right. And what they say the final stage of grieving is, is acceptance, yeah. uh -huh. right? So you have a franchise, a fan base, you have players. You're basically mourning the death of a franchise, yeah. right? You're, you're looking at a team that just three years ago won 89 games mm -hmm. and played in that wild card game. Now, we all know how that turned out, so we won't talk about it. I'll get a little sick. Yeah. But, you know, just three, three years ago, they were, they were in the playoff hunt. Even two years ago, even after they were the best team in baseball through May 10th, and then they were like, 30 games under 500 the rest of the year, they were in it into September. They were a game out on September 5th of, yep. of the wild card, and then they fell apart. So, But now this is a team that the next season wins 47 games. This year they're going to win what, maybe 55? Maybe. If, if they stay on their current pace, they might win 55 games this year. They're, they're a 100-loss ball club, and it's the death of a franchise. They're going to rebuild it. They're building it from the ground up. So, like I said, the final stages of grieving is acceptance. Maybe, I mean, these guys can't look in the mirror and actually think that they, can, that they have the talent to compete on the same level as a team like the New York Yankees. Oh. So, he's, so he's not wrong. And from everything I said, Rod Kabako, he, he wrote an article today that I, that I didn't get through because I had to come here. 
um, where he was saying that he has the support of the clubhouse. They have his back. So I think that the clubhouse is okay. But I, that, that, that comment caught me off guard, too. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just interesting to see a, a, a guy in a position of leadership, like the manager of a club, say that so matter-of-factly. Mm -hmm. um, at least that's the way I, I interpreted the words when I read them. I didn't hear him say it, so he could have been saying it in a motivational way. He could have been saying it in a deflated way, mm -hmm. you know, which I think would come off the wrong way. But either, I, either way, just those words jumping off the page at you, like, whoa, all right, all right, coach, we got you. <laughs> well, I mean, he, if, one, if Brandon Hyde's been good for one thing this year, it's been a sound bite. Yes. Right? And let's delve into this a little bit then. If he's, because... A manager would say something like that if he doesn't anticipate many of these guys being around for the long haul, right? So if I'm looking at this team, who on this team is going to be around next year and the year after and the year after that for there to be repercussions? I mean, if he knows that most of these guys are out the door at the end of the year, he can say whatever the hell he wants. I mean, it's a, it, I'm, you know, I'm sitting here looking at the roster, too, now at fans. And I, it, it's a tough... It's tough to project that, you know what I mean? But I think in terms of the young, the younger players, I, I couldn't, I don't know, man. The, the name that pops into my head, too, only just because of the financials of it is Chris Davis. Right. <laughs> I mean, but, but all of these other ones. What about this Worcestershire kid? What's his name? Oh, Asher Wojciechowski. <laughs> <laughs> Worcestershire. That's a, that should be his nickname on the back of his jersey for the fan weekend. It would be just, as long, it would be just as long going across the back it of would the jersey, be. man. Watching him play on TV, it, it just makes me laugh every time I see him. Because he, it's like a, all shoulder to it's shoulder. It's armpit to armpit. Oh, man. He, he pitched last night, right? He pitched last night. He's 30 years old. That's a guy who... When his slider is working and he can throw it for, and he, even if he can't throw for strikes, he doesn't have to because it's got so much movement he can get the guys yeah. to chase. Just like what you saw against the Red Sox, yeah. who threw a one hitter against them over seven innings. Uh. Uh, the problem is when he misses in the strike zone with it, it gets hit a long way. Yeah. He gave up three home runs and four batters in the third inning yesterday. Mm. Um, and the Yankees are killing us with the homers. This Forty-seven year. home runs in fourteen games. Uh. You know what I mean? And that's the entire. I, I wrote this down earlier today while I was getting my car worked on, and it's, it's scary. The Orioles have allowed 229 home runs this year. The Major League record is 258. They have 50 games left. Oh, so they're, they're on pace to allow 331 home runs. I have some numbers here Break for you. Break the record. Break it. Well, for the, for the Yankees, they've given up 47 home runs in 14 games. That's just under... Uh, it's nine under four home runs a game. It's about, it's about 3.3 home runs a game to the Yankees. Against the Twins in six games, they gave up 23 home runs. Against the Athletics in seven games, they gave up 21 home runs. That is three ball clubs right there. Oh, and the, against the Padres, they gave up 16 home runs in four games. So there's four ball clubs right there that the Orioles average giving up more than three home runs a game to, and three of which, and two of which they give up almost four home runs a game to. And I get it. The ball is juiced. We all know it. Home runs are up in AAA because they're using the Major League Baseball. Um, Jace Peterson hit a 429-foot opposite field home run the other day. Jace 
Peterson, oh, who's hitting like 186. Peterson. I don't like Jace Peterson. Uh, uh, Just because my wife thinks he's hot, that's, uh, that's uh, all it is. He's a good-looking <laughs> man, but that's a topic for another show. But the, the guy has, what, 10 career Major League home yeah. runs, and he hits a 429-foot opposite field home run into the left center field gap into the Yankees' bullpen? Tell me the ball's not juiced. I can't. Because it is. <laughs> and, but even still, even still, home runs are up across the board. I was listening to a game the other day where John Smoltz was saying that Major League Baseball is expected to surpass last year's home run totals by more than 1,000 this year. Hmm. Think about that for a second. That's what? That's like an extra eight home runs a game. If, if just, just if, okay, that's, that's an exaggeration. That would be from one team. But that's, that's an absurd number. A, a thousand is, more home runs? It is a lot. But when you think about it, I mean, from a, from a fan standpoint, is it bad? When you're on the opposite end of it, well, yeah. Of course, but I mean, look, look, just like Hyde said, their guys are better than our guys. When we're right. on, when, you know, some, sometimes you're the windshield, sometimes you're the bug, right? Right now, the Orioles are the bug. Right. And the entire rest of the league, I think, what? Well, not the entire rest of the league, because the O's have the second worst run differential, right? I think the only one worse is... Probably Detroit. Detroit, I think. Yeah, because they have the worst record in baseball. Yeah. So they're, they're the only one who's worse. But, I mean, in terms of having more home runs, that's what fans like to see. You come for that, right? You come to see chicks dig the long ball, right? Right. I mean, it's it. I think it's the same thing. You can kind of compare it to basketball with the three pointer and and Golden State and what they've been doing there. And you can sort of compare it to the NFL in terms of them airing it out and throwing the ball more. Offense and excitement puts butts in the seats. So from a from a from a fan standpoint and from a business standpoint, I I don't know if I mind that. I, I mean, you know, and, and maybe that's me kind of buying into that, you know, millennial mentality, no offense, but, <laughs> but it's, it, it's, ex, it's exciting. He was saying that to our, to our, uh, to our editor, <laughs> by the way, not me. Dan and I are around the same we are, age. We are the same age, yes. No, of the, the millennial producer that we have. <laughs> no, no offense by that. But, yeah, no, I, I do think that it definitely, it adds excitement to the game. Sure, it adds some time, especially when you're taking... 45 second trots around the bases or whatever you take but I mean it, it's fun you get you guys do the bat flips now and there's more trash talking in between and and, and I, I I appreciate it as from a fan sample because like I said at the top I'm here for entertainment that's what I'm here for and if that means watching eight home runs get hit in the game I'm okay with that and don't get me wrong, a pitching duel and a no-hitter is exciting to watch, too. There's more anxiety involved in that. Mm -hmm. You know, you want your guy to, to complete the, the no-hitter and, and all of that. But when it comes to pure excitement, offense is what does it. Well, yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned basketball because when you brought up isn't that what's exciting what fans want, the first thing I thought was basketball. But in my, it, you say it from an excitement standpoint. Yeah. I say it from a it's going to get watered down. Yeah. Okay, because you have... I, what was, I, I can't speak to it because I'm not a, the big, a big basketball fan, but I think like the, the record high like 10 years ago for three-pointers in the season was something like 250 or 300 or something like that. And Steph Curry hits 400 three-pointers by himself every year. Okay? And there's like three guys on the Warriors that can do that between the three-pointer and the dunk. And this is a baseball show, so you'll see where I'm coming. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this around. Between the three-pointer and the dunk, I feel like the NBA is just an unwatchable game. 
at this point. And I'm scared the Major League Baseball, with the propensity for the home run now, is going to be a watered-down game. I mean, you look back at 2014. when The Orioles won 96 games. Nelson Cruz hit 40 home runs, and he led the Major Leagues, right? Then you go to 2017, just three years later, the Major League leader in home runs is Giancarlo Stanton with 59, okay? So... I don't think that this is the first year the ball has been juiced. I think it's been juiced for quite a few years. But on top of that, you have guys like DJ LeMahieu, who's never hit more than 16 home runs in a season. He's going to hit 30 home runs this year. You know, at what point, and, and you're talking about the bat flips, right? Yeah. At what point is it like you don't even get to flip your bat anymore because everybody's hitting home runs. Chase Peterson's hitting 429-foot oppo tacos. <laughs> you don't get to flip your bat because everybody's doing it. I see where you're coming from on that. I do. But I still think that as, from, from my, I guess maybe it's just my perspective as a fan. I, I know that there are people out there that agree with me. I'm not a minority in this. But that, the offense is what does it for me. Mm -hmm. And on a consistent basis. Like I said, every once in a while you sprinkle a no-hit bid in there. It'll be fun and all of that. But give me the offense. I want to see the ball leaving the park as much as I can. I get it. Home runs are exciting. They're, they might be the second most exciting play in baseball next to a triple or an inside-the-park home run, which both of those are rare. Are rare they are, feats, yes. Especially in bandbox ballparks like Camden Yards and Yankee Stadium these days. But, but look, uh, before we digress too much, uh, we're going to get a break here and a word from our sponsor, DNL Window Tinting. When we come back, I want to talk about a player on the Orioles right now who everybody expected to be traded, and, but he's still here. And I think maybe there's a potential that he could be here for a few more years. But after the, we'll talk about that after the break. In your home, sunshine can stream in through windows, bringing a cheerful feel and warmness to any room. Sometimes, though, it brings in too much warmth, even harmful ultraviolet light and solar energy that can raise energy bills, drain the color from your fabrics and furnishings, and cast a blinding glare on your television or computer screens. DNL Window Tinting can protect your home from all of this while saving you money on energy bills. Start saving today by calling DNL at 410-941-2942. That's 410-941-2942. Welcome back to the Payoff Pitch presented by DNL Window Tinting. Once again, I have Dan Turner here, formerly of 105.7 The Fan. And Dan, before the break, I mentioned a player who I, everybody expected to be traded. He hasn't been traded. And because there's an opening at the position, I think he could potentially be here. And that's Jonathan Villar. And this is a guy who, out in, he was out in Arizona on that West Coast trip a couple of weeks ago, and he went 0 for 10 in Arizona. He realized there was a mechanical flaw in his swing. He fixed it. Ever since then, 21 for 53, three doubles, two triples, four home runs, 10 RBIs, 16 runs scored, seven stolen bases. He's hitting a 396 clip with a 458 on base average. He, um, on base percentage, I hate when people say on base average. Uh, and he hit for the cycle. I was, two wait, days, I was waiting for you to two, mention the cycle. Yeah, he hit for the cycle two days ago. And this is a guy that on the year, 268 with a 331 on base. He's got 15 home runs, 24 doubles, and 24 stolen bases. 28 years old. He, he doesn't turn 29 until next season. He'll play, the entire, he's, he'll play all of next year at the age of 29. He's under team control through that 2020 season. The Orioles don't really have a long-term solution to second base unless you're thinking of Hanser Alberto, and he doesn't really blow your socks off. No, not really. If... if Jonathan Villar, is this a guy who could potentially sign a two- to three-year extension, 
play that could go through the 2020, the 2022-2023 season. He can man second base, play shortstop in a pinch, gets on base, steals bases, and has pop in his bat. He's been an exciting player. He was exciting when he came over the second half of last year. He's been an exciting player the second half of this year. I think this is a guy that the Orioles could look into signing for a few extra years until somebody comes up to take that position. Can you get him to buy in, though? I think that's the big question. Right. You know, like that, that's one of those things. He's 28, going to yeah. be 29. So he doesn't have necessarily a whole lot of legs no. left in his career. Right. You know, that, that, so that window is closing for him. And if he's, you know, I, I don't know what his motivation is as a player. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's motivated by different things. But if, if he's motivated by winning, you might have a tough time convincing him to stick around for a while. Well, if you can convince him, hey, by 2022, which might be the last year mm-hmm. or second to last year of an extension, we're going to be competitive. Yeah. We're going to have all these young guys who are pitching it and lights out at Delmarva and mm-hmm. Frederick and Bowie. They're going to be on the roster. Rutschman will be on the roster. Mountcastle will be up. Maybe Gunnar Henderson will be here. You know, if you can convince him all these guys are coming and you're going to be the main veteran next to Trey Mancini, if Mancini's still around, because Mancini's a little bit different of an animal when it comes to an extension, I think that you could get – look, I don't know. I don't know the guy personally. I know he wanted – he said all the right things mm-hmm. last year about being here. He's done all the right things this year. I hate how he gets – how often he gets picked off, but that's a, co- a topic for another day. Um, but I, I don't think it would be that hard to convince a guy, especially with the regime that you have in place that's running the ship, to convince him, hey, we're going to be competitive before your time's up here. I, I think that, you know, if anybody can do it, it's – it's got to be this front office. I mean, mm-hmm. this front office has been doing so many things just so differently since they took over. And, you know, we talked mm-hmm. about that business-like atmosphere around surrounding the team and all of that. It, it's just, I've never seen an organization change so drastically and so quickly. And right. I, and I think that, you know, these somebody like a VR or, or maybe even Trey Mancini too. Like, I mean, he can buy in, you can get these guys to buy in. And, and you, you have to understand though that, you know, it's obvious that you're not gonna be able to keep a team intact season to season. You're not gonna, that consistency in baseball and, and any sport really just doesn't exist. But you wanna have that core of guys. Mm-hmm. You need to have that core of players, you know, like we had that, that big three with Jonesy, Manny, Scope, add Davis in there, all of that. Like you, you need to have the, that core of players that you have locked up for a while. And it, are, are they now, is it Rutschman, and is it, are these, these young guys in the farm system right now, is it them? Do, do we have, I don't know if I have the patience. I know, actually, I know I don't have the patience as a player. I wouldn't as a player mm-hmm. to wait for that. Right. I just, I'd get too antsy. I was like, where, where are these guys coming from? So, but it, it, it's, it's just interesting for me to see who's going to wind up here and successful. Like, VR, I think, has a chance to stay. I really do, though. Mm-hmm. I do. Getting back to him. Um, he, the opening at the position is there. There's nobody coming in to take his place at any point. You have security. You know, you've got job security. Mm-hmm. I, I think it would be a good fit for him. I do. Right. And, and you look at VR... And yeah, you say as a player, you're, if you were a player yourself, you wouldn't have the patience yeah. to go through all the losing. That's but just you, me, though. But That's you look me. at VR, he's never 
really won yeah, anywhere. That's a great point. When, when, when he was in Houston, he was in Houston before they got good. Mm-hmm. He was in Milwaukee. They started playing good baseball last year. He gets traded to the worst team in baseball, so he wasn't even there for that. You know, So I think something that can be said for sticking around to see something through. You know what I mean? He, he was in Houston. He didn't get to reap, reap the fruits of their labors. Right. He goes to Milwaukee, doesn't get to reap the fruits of their labors, and now they're probably not even going to make the playoffs this year. He had the one chance last year. There's something to be said for coming to a team when they're the worst team in baseball and sticking with them to the point that they're winners, and now you're winning with that team. Such and what a, what a great swan song for mm-hmm. your career. It right? would be. It would be. And I think, yeah, maybe that's the difference between being an actual professional athlete because they can see that sort of light at the end of the tunnel. They see the path laid out for them and all of that. Um, but, you know, it's... You know what that story reminded me of, though? You telling that story of VR and all of that. It reminded me of Buck. Yeah. A little bit. Right. You know? I get that. You, you, you're there with the Yankees and, and you almost get there and you don't. And, and then Arizona, you almost get there and then you don't. And then they win the next year. And then the, <laughs> and the Rangers. Yeah, you know, it just, it's, you know, it, baseball's funny that way. Mm-hmm. It, I, you don't see many stories like that in other sports. It, it's baseball is sort of that, because it's such a grinded out sport, 162 games. You know, it just, you see stories like the VR and, and stuff like that. And, you know, I just thought of something now, like thinking about this whole rebuild and, and, and everything that we've been talking about so far, a question just popped into my head, and you're not going to like it. Okay. It's not going to be a fun one. Okay. Okay. But it's interesting. I want to see your response to it. What happens first? The Orioles win a championship, or they stop paying Chris Davis? Ooh. They got... What this is, this is 16, 17, 18. They have three years left of paying Chris. Di- oh, oh, oh! You mean are you talking about the, the deferred about, money? Yeah. Oh, the Orioles are gonna win a championship before. I mean, they're they're, they're they're paying Chris Davis till he's fifty-two years old. They got <laughs> they got they got twenty more years. Are right, you talking about patience as a player wanting to win? <laughs> I don't know that my patience as a fan can do another twenty years. God bless those Cubs fans. That went, some of them that one hundred and eight years. One hundred and eight years. Some of them that were ninety-five years old before their team won a championship. God bless Ooh. them. I don't know that I can do another 19, <laughs> 20 years of not seeing the Orioles win a world championship. I mean, this is my first love. I have to believe they're going to win a championship before they stop paying Chris Davis. Now, if you meant just his annual contract, what he gets no. for playing seasons, they're, they're, they're going to pay. They'll, they'll be done paying him before right, they no, win. I, I mean like, but the deferred money? Yeah. Oh, my That's God. And I hope I, I hope I didn't just jinx it. I wish I had some wood to knock on. But I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that they're going to win a World Series right. before. The, I mean, but, dude, man, I, I, I'm sorry I, I made you bring that up. Oh, man, that kind of hurt my feelings. I know. So I said you wouldn't like you it. You were right. You, you wouldn't were, like it. It's a you were right. One. You were absolutely right. But that's right. just the kind of stuff I think about, you know? And I did Bobby, man. Chris Davis making that Bobby Bonilla money, man. Oh, Bobby Bonilla's July 1st every year, right? Yeah. July Just 1st, he gets a million dollars every Bobby year. Bonilla I, th- I think he's like 2034. He's still got at least 10 more years left of that. That's, that's, that's insane. That's insane. We have Chris Davis is in the same boat, and Max Scherzer mm-hmm. is yeah. in the same boat with the Nationals. Mm-hmm. But he has earned every penny of yes, that contract. that he has. That but, he has. Him but, and his two different colored eyes. Well, one of the guys that could help VR stay that's not here yet, but mm-hmm. I kind of think he should be. It's Ryan Mountcastle. 
Brian Mountcastle is leading the International League with 134 hits. That's, a, that's the minor league league that the Norfolk Tides play in, the AAA Norfolk Tides play in. 134 hits. Second place, 121 hits. He's 13 hits ahead of the next best guy. He's in 315. He's got 27 doubles, 19 home runs, 64 RBIs. Now look, he doesn't walk a ton. Adam Jones didn't walk a ton. Vladimir Guerrero didn't walk a ton. Not saying yeah. that, that he's that caliber of player. I think he might end up being a better hitter than Adam Jones, even though that might be blasphemy here in Baltimore. Ooh, be careful. But I be think he might, he might be a bit a better of a hitter. But some guys just don't walk. Hanser Alberto, I mentioned this on the show last week, he doesn't walk a ton, but he doesn't strike out a ton either. That, I mean, he puts the ball in play, and he's hitting over 300. Mountcastle, well, a lot of people say, well, they want him to work on his defense. He's played 79 games at first base this year. He has just four errors. His, his fielding percentage at first base this year is 994. Chris Davis is 996 for the Orioles. He has two errors. Something I did not realize, Orioles' first baseman this year have only committed five errors all season. They've only committed five errors. Renato Nunez has three of them in like 14 games. That's one of the things, too, that, that has always kind of, to me anyway, especially you know, having worked at a sports radio station in Baltimore, that's one of the things that kind of has gotten brushed aside with Chris Davis for so long, and almost too long, is that he is so dependable on defense. Mm -hmm. And everyone just hyper-focuses on the hitting and the strikeouts and, and all of that and, and, and the swing and all of this because that's frustrating. Right. It, it is frustrating to see a player who is being paid that much money do so bad at the plate because mm -hmm. that's what you're getting paid for. Right. You're they're getting, not paying you for the defense. They're not. I mean, it's there, but he, he deserves credit for it at some point. If you're going to talk all of this mess about how bad he is at the plate, you've got to throw in at least once or twice in there how good he is at first base. Mm -hmm. Because he is good. I mean, he's not, he's not Hall of Fame at first base no. in terms of that. But he's, he is good. He's dependable. Doesn't commit a lot of errors. He saves a lot of and runs he, and picks. Yeah. And a lot of errors with yeah. picks. So, it's, it's, so that, that's one thing about Chris Davis that, that kind of gets overlooked. But besides that, it's how long do, does the front office and Hyde stick with Davis? Mm -hmm. How long do you wait for him to find that bat again? Because... I mean, time's running on that. Right. You know, and, and you've got this kid, Mount Castle, ready to go. Almost. You know, I mean, he's... Offensively, he's, he's got nothing he's left to prove. Well. He's He's not coming in the air. It's the same thing. So you basically, right now, what you have is a younger Chris Davis. <laughs> right. That's what you have. Right. And, and how long are you Don't willing, say that, though, because well, you're going to scare fans. Not, knock on wood, knock on wood. You don't have that. <laughs> you have what looks to be a younger Chris Davis when he's hitting. Right. Not, not Chris Davis right now, like but caveat. when he's hitting. So you, you have that potential in this prospect of coming up, and, and he seems ready and all of that. But what you don't want is a DJ Stewart situation. You don't want him to come up, sprain an ankle, mm -hmm. have to go down for what, whatever it was, eight, eight weeks? Is that how long he was down? He, he, like he, was, he was down for quite a while. He's down, and then you come back in the first game you're back, oh, you catch man. a baseball up the side of the dome, and That's then like you're back down again. Microcosm for the Orioles yes, season. Yes, it really is. I mean, that is in that in a nutshell is the Orioles season and, and their situation right now. You know, it's just two steps forward, four steps back. Mm -hmm. And it's... But I, I think that if I'm in the front office... You wait, you wait to the end of this season, I think. You let him get another full season in the, far, in the minors 
you let them do all of that, and then you start them fresh in spring training with the big club. Mm -hmm. I th that, that's what I would want to do. Because at, at this point, you're not trying to win anything. Right. What are you trying to prove? You don't want to run the risk of, of having this guy come up and get injured. Mm -hmm. You don't want to do that. Yeah, you want to see what he's going to do against you know, the, the big ball clubs. You want to see that. But at, as long as you can, save him. You're in this for the long haul. If we're going to go into this rebuild mode, stay in it. Mm -hmm. And don't, don't vary from that path. Keep the guys developing. Keep them safe, so to speak. Mm -hmm. you know, keep them out of harm's way as much as you can. And... and kind of use them out of necessity, right? So Chris, Chris Davis, we know, isn't going anywhere. Right. He's not going to go anywhere. Not for this year. No. So, and I don't think he's ever going to go anywhere. You, you think he's going to stay on the I, roster I the next think, three years I, after I, this? I think so. I think so. Oh, we disagree wholeheartedly <laughs> on that I, and, and you know what? We might. But I just, I, I don't see him going anywhere. I don't see them able, I, I don't see the, the team being able to move him for anything significant. That would mm -hmm. be worth it. I just, I just don't see it. Well, they're not, they're not going to move him for anything significant. They're not going to trade him. Nobody's going to take on that contract. Right. They're going to DFA him. Okay. And, and I mean, that's, that's what I think they're going to do. That's what's going to open up a roster spot for Ryan Mountcastle next year. I, I agree with what you're saying. I think that, you know, as much as I and every other fan wants to see him up at the major league mm -hmm. level because it's an infusion of an ex of excitement in an otherwise boring and awful year. Yeah. Right. But, one, you start the service clock early if you call them up before September, mm -hmm. right? Two, you risk the injury, yeah. you know? So, for me, I fully agree. I think he comes up in September. I do think that he'll, that he'll be up here in September. Norfolk's not going to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Once their season's over, they're going to take a look at him, right? And then I think that he comes in next year with an opportunity. I think it's his job to, to lose next year, whether it's DH first base or outfield. He's played 10 errorless games in left field for Norfolk. That's a small sample size, but with two outfield assists, uh, it's a small sample size, but it beats the alternative, Yeah. right? He, he's holding his own out there. So I think Ryan Mountcastle has a job to lose in spring training next year. If he has a spring like he had this year, he's not going anywhere. Yeah. You know, Chris Davis, I think he's DFA'd after this year. I think that, they, that they're saying, you know what? We've got three years left on this deal. We're not competitive this year. You know, we're going to be somewhat competitive next year. 2022 is our window. We don't mind paying him $23 million to not be here in 2022. Because how much is he really doing at this point? Right. Well, besides man in first base and, and being somewhat solid on defense. Mm -hmm. What's he doing? He's not doing much else. And, and, and look, he hasn't he, – he struggled with the – is he still not taking Adderall? Is that what it is? I have no idea, man. I, I, I don't know. what some. I had one guy, a regular at the restaurant mm -hmm. uh, last year, who told me he thinks Chris Davis stopped packing a lip, and that's what made him okay. not be able to hit. Okay. And, <laughs> and now he's packing a lip again, and he's still not hitting. So I'm, I'm pretty sure, because I remember the whole thing went down with the Adderall, and in, he yeah, did with the exemption and all of that. And that was a big thing, and you saw a dip in his production mm -hmm. when he wasn't using it, when he, did, when he didn't have the exemption. And it's a, it's, it's a weird, like a, a, a performance-enhancing thing, but not really. I don't get that part of the rule. You know, like, it's a really weird, it's, it's stupid in my opinion. Well, it's a performance, I guess it's performance-enhancing if, no. if you don't need it. Right, if it helps right. you focus on the whatever. But it, it, he, the players who get exemptions are the ones who, you know, doctors have said, 
you need this to focus, right. otherwise your head's all over yeah. the place. But I think if it was as easy as him getting that Adderall exemption, that would be happening. Mm -hmm. I, I, to me, Chris Davis, one, he's getting older. You know yeah. what I mean? He's noticeably thinner this year, so the power's not going to be there nearly as much. But it's also mental, you know? For it's, sure. What, what, did, what, did he say, what did Yogi Bear say? 90% of this game is half mental. Yep. <laughs> right? So it, it's, it's all in his head. I'm telling you the guy's allergic to hitting 200 because he'll go on a streak where he hits about 330 for a week or two, gets that average around the 192 mark, and then he goes over his next 27 mm -hmm. with 22 strikeouts. Uh -huh. And then it drops him right back down into the 170s. And then the next thing you know, he's climbing back up only to fall back down again. He will not get above 192. He's, done it. he's gotten to 192 like five times this year, and he's never gotten higher. And he always falls right back down to another slump. It's completely mental. I think once he gets close to 200, maybe he starts pressing because he wants to get to that number, sure. which is a sad state of affairs for his career that he's pressing to get to 200. If that is the case, yes. It is yeah. a very sad state of affairs. It's, and you make a good point about it being such a mental thing. Baseball is such a streaky game. Mm -hmm. And... And it, there's there's so much that you can do to once you get hot and you stay on a streak. There's certain mental things that happen that help you along with that. And then there's also, on the other hand, that things that happen that throw you off and they can kill a streak and all of that. And and it's so psychological the game of baseball is. Mm -hmm. you, you can't over you you can't overpower something with brute force. Right. You know, you can't, even as a pitcher, I don't care if you throw 130 miles an hour as a pitcher. It's physically impossible. I get that. But I, I don't care if you throw 130 miles an hour as a pitcher. Somebody's going to hit a jack off you mm -hmm. at some point. They're going to figure you out. You're going to have some type of tell, and you're going to get knocked around. Right. It's just that you cannot overpower anything with physical force in baseball. You can't, you could have the perfect technique at the plate, and you could have a perfectly you know, constructed swing if you just look at it from, uh, you know, objectively, you just see a guy at BP and he has a perfect, his swing just looks perfect. He's going to strike out. Right. You know, it's, it's just, the, that's one of the things I love so much about baseball is, is in, in a lot of other sports, if you are bigger, faster, stronger, you will win more than you will lose. Right. That's not the case with baseball. And I think that's one of the things that's most interesting to me about it is that there's, it's not necessarily strategy, but it's technique, and it's, it's positioning, and, and it's more of, of knowing what your opponent is going to do in these little sort of you know, fractions of a second that makes so much. And sure, you could say the same thing about football or basketball or whatever, but with baseball, that mental aspect of the game is so much more important to me. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that is something you don't get in, 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 in every other sport, and what makes it so interesting to watch. You know, it, it, and I love that, you know, I, actually, I, I take that back. I don't love that they're, they're taking an analytical sort of turn on baseball now and, and really doing, you know, launch angles and all this kind of stuff. You're, you're, taking to, you're taking something away, I think, from the fun of the game with all of these analytics. They, they, mm -hmm. they help. I, I agree. You know, they help in a Fully. lot of things. But, but I think that kind of is one of the things that ties back into Chris Davis's struggles. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when you have all of this information out there in terms of, of launch angles and, and pitch speed and bat speed and, and, and all of this stuff, you're thinking about too much. 
you're thinking about way too much. You're, you're stepping up to the plate already, and you've got to worry about this guy who's going to throw a ball almost 100 miles an hour at you. It could turn left. It could dip. It could be a knuckleball. It could be whatever it is. You already have so much going on, but now you add another layer into it of, okay, what's the launch angle of this pitch going to be, and then how fast do I have to get the head of the bat around to do all of that? All while 30,000 people are watching you. Mm -hmm. It's too much on one person's brain at one time. So I, you know, and for a guy like Chris Davis, who if he actually does need Adderall and his brain is scattered, like mine is, because I need Adderall, I know how that struggle is. <laughs> I know that struggle. If you need it, you need it. Right. And so you, you, you come into this, you already have this pressure-packed situation, and you already have all of these things on your mind as far as what is the pitcher going to do, where's the infield, are they in the shift, what's going on, how's the wind, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You already have all of these things, and then you have to add on top of that the analytical stuff. It, that's, that's too much. It's got to be too much for people to think about at one time. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I, think the, I personally think the shift killed Chris Davis's career. That guy hit so many line drives that should have been base hits in the right field, and you have a second baseman 40 feet behind the infield dirt fielding his ball and throwing him out at first base, and then that's when you bring in the launch angle. And a lot of guys who have tried, and there's an article written about it last year, a lot of guys try to combat the shift by just hitting the ball over the shift, yeah. and that's where the launch angle comes in. I'll tell you right now, I mentioned on this show a few times that I play in a men's over 30 wooden bat league, and I tried at one point doing a preload where I would move my foot back and try to time the pitcher and then step you know, with a bigger step, and it screwed me up. Then I went back to my normal stance, and then a couple weeks ago I tried doing a launch angle swing where I had the bat tilted so I could get the head of the bat on more of an upward angle and still have enough bat speed, and it screwed me up. It's, it's, you're and, too much. And, and I, you're thinking too much, and I have three fans watching the game, not, th <laughs> not 30,000, okay? And you got more than me. It's, it's, it's one of those things. Baseball is an absolute game of failure, it and is. you have got to be mentally tough if you want to succeed. You can fail 70 times out of 100, and you're still an all-star. It's, it's a complete game of failure. Unless you're playing the Orioles, right? That's true. But and and with 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 Chris Davis, he just happens to fail more than the average player, and it's it's unfortunate because he was such fastest guy in Orioles history that hit 250 home runs, and now we're talking about a dude who's still got three years left on this deal, and we're already talking about his replacement. Yeah. But but hey, that's gonna really that's gonna do it for us here on the payoff pitch. We were gonna talk about the umpires, but we talked so long about everything uh, else. We well, get to, so next really, time. The short of it is the umpires suck and Angel Hernandez shouldn't have a job. See, it's what is this guy like? How does he still have a job? He is, you know, what it's like umpires are like weathermen or weather people. You can be wrong 90% of the time and still keep your job. Right, because they have a, they have a powerful union. And, and this is part of, this is kind of, you know, I don't know if the robot umpire movement will change any of this. Mm -hmm. I don't, because it's, it's kind of like, it, all right. It, it's kind of like the Bible, right? If you don't want to go, if you don't want to go religious, it's kind of like the Constitution. You can think about it that way. When you look at the words objectively, they're great, but where it gets twisted and where it gets messed up is when you add that element of human interpretation. Mm -hmm. That's when you see, if you want to go religious, you have all of these different sects of different religions. You have Christianity and Catholicism and all this different stuff. And with the Constitution, you have Republicans and Democrats. It's all about the it, their personal interpretation of what those rules are. Right. And that's what you see with these umpires. And, and I get, look, it, it's split-second decisions that they have to make, and you, know, you have to change the strike zone for each player because they're taller or shorter 
or whatever, wherever it may be. So it's a tough job. Right. Don't get me wrong. But that, that's not an excuse for a guy like Angel Hernandez who is just so blatantly bad at his job. It, across the board. Across the board. And it's not, you know, and, and yes, it, it's tough when your team is losing and, and you're going through this rebuild thing. And then on top of that, you get a terrible umpire like Angel Hernandez who doesn't know what he's doing at all. It, I mean, he knows what he's doing enough to have his job, but he just doesn't, he doesn't get it. And, and it's, it's, but it adds to the entertainment factor of it to me a little bit. That human element of, people make mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. and, and people are allowed to make mistakes as long as you correct them. Right. And what's more fun than having a manager run out of a dugout in the middle of a game and scream into another grown man's face, my guys are effing savages in that box, which is <laughs> one of my favorite sports awesome. I, things of all time. Put Aaron Boone on another level for me. And, and I, I loved it too, and I, and I said this on Twitter too, it's like his rant to the ref sounded like me four shots in at the bar playing wingman for the boys. Like, you, don't, you don't understand my boys are savages in that box. <laughs> you might have to cut that out, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but uh, I know, think we only have adult listeners. That that's, part, right. that's part of, that, that's part of the, the, the fun of the game. It's like the crash in NASCAR, or it's like the, the, the break that hockey games take for the bare-knuckle boxing brawl in the middle of the game. It's part of the reason why you go to the game. You mm -hmm. want to see that. Like, I absolutely loved when Buck would storm out of the dugout, red in the face, taking his sunglasses off, pointing it, like, it, that's fun to watch. It's right. fun to watch. But when you have a guy like Angel Hernandez who consistently is wrong, you have to take action on that. It's become a joke yeah. across the league. I mean, at some point. But it's not funny. That's, they, that's they, the they, they can't, yeah, it's a joke that's not funny. <laughs> exactly. Right? At some point, you can't even argue with the guy anymore because he's, he's just so far out there. Yeah. You know, and they do have to take action. They never will. He, the, all these umpires have job security. I've never heard of an umpire getting fired in the history of baseball. It will never happen. And even if they do get the robot umpires, which I think is coming out. See, I always thought there would be no umpire back there. Right. But apparently it's just an um, they, they, it's a yeah. robot sending a strike call yeah. to the umpire's yeah. ear, to an ear set, I guess. Um, they'll find a way to, to screw it up somehow oh, yeah. on, on a larger scale on the field right. or something like be, that. There will still be that human element to it. And it's funny, I, I looked up how it would work last night too, knowing that we were going to talk about it. And it's basically what it is, is I'll, I'll, I'll butcher the science of it because I'm stupid, but it's, it's a bunch of radio waves that they send across the field. Mm -hmm. And that's how they do stat cast. And that's oh, wow. how they do all that stuff. So th that's how they, so when you see them make the StatCast arc of the home run going out, mm -hmm. it's radio waves that they have ac across the entire stadium. That's nuts. I had no idea. Yeah, it's really cool. So they, so they do all of that. So that's how they would, so part of the technology that's used for these radio waves is they, you know, they, catch, they capture the pitch coming in and then the, the hit going out. Mm -hmm. And so that's that, the pitch being thrown to the plate that part of the technology would be used for that robot umpire stuff. Well, they're already using it in yeah. the, uh, what is it, the Independent Atlantic League? Atlantic League, I think, yeah. is what they're doing it in. And I, I, I haven't seen, I didn't get far enough, I don't know if I got far enough into the article, I didn't see how it's going mm -hmm. in the Atlantic League, I, I don't know. But it's, you know, look, it, it's the same thing of like instant replay. You know, it, it's, there's the technology out there, we sh we, if it can make the game better, and if it can mitigate some of the problems, like Angel Hernandez, use it, please. Yeah, because it, I can't do I can't do Angel Hernandez anymore. I, I neither can I. And 
you know, there, there are a lot of things I'm against, like they're also experimenting with you can run the first base on any drop pitch in the Atlantic League. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of that. I'm not a fan. It's basically called stealing Which first base. Like XFL or something? But, like. but the thing is, it, goes against, it counts as an L. It counts as a fielder's choice. If you make it to first base, it affects your average and your on-base percentage hmm. if you steal first base. Uh, the, the next year, Major League Baseball is implementing every reliever that comes into your game has to face at least three batters. I don't like that rule. I think that you're messing with the strategy in the game. Yes. Now, people that – Joe Girardi's not in the league Wait, anymore. that's actually happening? Yeah, it's happening next year. I don't like it's, that at all. I, I, I hate it. And it was made for, for managers like Joe Girardi who make a pitching change every other batter in the eighth inning when the game's already four hours long against the Boston Red Sox. But uh, he's not in the league anymore. I don't – not every manager does that, and I think it's bad for the game. I think that'll be a rule that'll get tossed sooner rather than later. Can they make a rule where you have to use your closer in a save situation? That, would that, help that, that might be coming next. <laughs> that might be coming next. But, look, that's all we got. I want to thank Dan Turner for coming in and joining the show thank today. You for really appreciate me, man. it, man. It's hopefully, been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been a ton of fun. One of, one, a really fun show. And hopefully we can get you back in here sooner rather than later to yeah, do man. another one, maybe before the season ends. Uh, I'm Paul Valley. Thanks for tuning into the Payoff Pitch, and we'll see you next week. Stay tuned for the Prospect Report.